Hi, welcome to Recovery Unplugged. My name is Paul Ciotta and I'm one of the chaplains here at the Colony of Mercy in America's Keswick. And you are now in the historic Colony Chapel. The reason I say it's historic is because lives have been changed and generations have been altered because of the decisions that men have made here to follow Jesus Christ. And the reason we call this podcast Recovery Unplugged is very simple. You see, there are a lot of secular programs and ideologies and philosophies that are out there as it relates to addiction recovery. There's this tension that goes on between the Bible and some of those thinking patterns. What we try to do is sift through those topics and help you as you continue your recovery journey. And if you're a colony graduate, you understand that the last month of your time here at Keswick is focused around preparing you for what's next. And we call that aftercare. But aftercare is a lot more than just figuring out some future plan that you might have or your dreams that you're trying to fulfill. It's a lot more than that. Let's face it. If you go to a secular program, or an addiction group, or some 12-step deal that's not biblically based, the term aftercare takes a whole nother meaning. Often, you're left on your own to fend for yourself against the challenges and obstacles that brought you into recovery in the first place. Now, quite honestly, when you're in the middle of your addiction, and you're trying to address it, chances are you're doing it in your flesh. It, it becomes all about your power and your will and your set of accomplishments. I'm sure you have heard men or women, maybe even you, that have stood up in meetings or have talked in casual conversation about the number of days, months, or years of sobriety that they've had, and, and they do it with great pride. Now, let me get something straight. There's nothing wrong with 12-step programs or even support groups. But I'd ask the question this way. What's the goal of those groups and philosophies? Are, are, are those groups looking to actually address your total needs as a person, as a child of God, as a creation from the creator, your spiritual walk? Or is it only dealing with your sobriety? That's a fair question you have to ask. What's going to have that lasting value in your life? And what's going to take it to the next generation? Let me tell you, I get it. When you're in the throes of addiction, you can't see anything but getting off and staying off and staying far, far away from the things that brought you there in the first place. When you're in the middle of that lifestyle, it was all consuming. You couldn't think of anything else. That idol, which is exactly what it is, is the overarching issue in your life. So you go through the colony, you spend 120 days in the program, you're memorizing Bible verses, you're, you're learning how to deal with other men living in extremely close quarters, working in a job that you probably don't feel terribly comfortable in. You go to church three times a week, you serve meals at hymn sings, girl talk, concerts. You come to understand the power of forgiveness, either you asking for forgiveness or offering forgiveness. 
you also learned submission, submission to authority at Keswick, in the court system, maybe even dealing with an ex. But most importantly, you learned how to submit to God himself. You've been exposed to more than just the Bible. You've been immersed in a lifestyle that reflects the love of Jesus Christ. You have to ask yourself the question, why would you leave that environment of love, care, and support and return to an existence without the fellowship that you got here at the colony? If you walk within these walls here at the colony chapel, you know that miracles take place, and you know that men have given their lives to Christ. And we also know that God works amazing miracles in those lives. But there are a lot of guys who leave the colony and they think they can do it all on their own. Now that they think they have four months here at Keswick under their belt, they, they've given all the information, all the tools to fight off the temptation after years and years and years of addiction. Well, let's get something straight. Yes, God can work miracles and he does. And it's a wonderful testimony to see how God actually works in a man after he leaves here. But for the addict, he's always looking for the happily ever after story. So ask yourself the question, why would I leave that environment of love, care, and fellowship and return to an existence that doesn't have that kind of support? Look around in this room. You've been in this colony chapel. You understand that men's lives have been changed here. People's lives have been changed here. And can God work amazing things in a person's life? Absolutely. He does it every day. But there are a lot of guys who leave the colony and think that they can do all of this on their own. They think that the four months here at Keswick has given them all the tools that they need to fight off the temptation of years of addiction. Well, let's get something straight. Yes, like we said, God can work amazing in a person's life. However, chances are we need support. We need help. We need fellowship. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful testimony that God works in a man when he leaves the colony of mercy. And he chooses to make a decision to walk in sobriety. For the addict, it's always about a happily ever after story of addiction recovery. That's why there's so much counting of the days that one has in a sober state. The one thing that drags you down at that point is gone. You're not taking advantage of that addiction any longer. You're free. Not really. For guys, their addiction is following them. In fact, it's chasing them. If all you're looking to do is stay sober, that's the temptation that'll be following you. You'll be doing all you can to avoid falling back into that pattern of self-abuse. You'll be looking over your shoulder to see if anything is out after you. You'll find new routes to get away from a liquor store 
right? <laughs> or you'll, you'll wipe your phone clean of all those old contacts that you had. Or, or you'll, you'll download Covenant Eyes or some other filter to keep you from watching porn. All good stuff. However, you'll get worn out really fast because all you'll be doing is trying to stay away from your addiction as opposed to looking ahead, looking forward. And when that takes place, when you're trying to avoid your addiction, in itself, it becomes an addiction. I mean, accurately speaking, it is an idol. Now, remember what an idol is. Anything that we are worshiping that isn't God. It's good to repeat the second commandment. Exodus 20, starting in verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Listen, when we say, I got this. The focus is now on staying sober. And that now becomes your new all-consuming issue. And it also affects your aftercare because that's the only thing you're focusing on. Staying free from addiction becomes your new addiction. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be wise about staying away from the things that brought us to the point that we needed to come to the colony in the first place. What I am saying is that your focus needs to be on something greater than the false idol that you worshipped with such fervor and passion. The Apostle Paul understood the nature of sinful behavior, and, and he makes it very simple for us, for reasons that we were just talking about. We need to have this sense of control when we have addiction. We need to, to hang on to those circumstances and our environment because we don't want to put our focus on the right thing. Instead, we focus on the wrong thing. Listen, Romans 6, starting in verse 19. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you were now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. Listen, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You need to remember that in your addiction, you were a slave. You were a slave to that addiction. It was your idol. You worshiped it. And you would do whatever it took to satisfy that idol, which pointed to a new God, yourself. And that is sin. When you turn your life over to Christ, you become a slave to something else. Righteousness. 
we have sold out to our Lord and Savior. And now he becomes the object of our worship. We focus on that here at the colony. But in your life after the colony, in aftercare, that needs to be emphasized even more. Because now the temptations become real. We talk about the Keswick bubble. How everything within these little communities that we have here between staff housing and the colony and Barbara's place, they're all protected. Well, to some extent, that's true. But the possibility of you falling back into your poor habits are increasing because you're going back into an environment that you're going to be seeking comfort, someplace you're going to be needing to grab onto and hold onto. Making Jesus the priority of our lives means that he is the priority of our lives. Not the addiction, not even the drive to stay sober, not the support groups or the rooms that you go for comfort. There is no room for obsessively seeking reinforcement for, quote, doing good. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you made a declaration that he is your Savior and Lord, then your identity is not in retreating back to all of that. It's all about advancing. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. It was one of our memory verses. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are not an addict. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. And that being said, what is the best way that we can focus on Jesus after we leave the colony? Fair question, chat. Well, the best way is to get connected with other believers. Believers who have also prioritized Jesus. Believers that know that their identity is in Christ. Where do you find those folks? In the local church. Your recovery has to continue in the company and comfort of people who know and love Jesus and can get to know and love you. Connecting with them becomes the best way to stay close to the Lord. And we actually help you with that. Now, if you remember, when you graduated from the colony, you had a covenant. It, it, it was either a pastoral covenant or if you're married and your wife wants to join you in that recovery journey, it's a couple's covenant. Your covenant transitions accountability from us where it ought to be, in the local church. And the fellowship that comes with it is all part of it. The covenant pairs you with a mentor to walk you through the transition from colony to a life-dependent on God through the local church. That mentor might be the pastor of the church or a delegate appointed by the pastor to be part of that transition. By working with a mentor, you have the opportunity to get real advice from a godly man who spends time with you to allow him the opportunity to ask some really hard questions. 
letting him be the source of wisdom and guidance. Now that you are no longer in the colony, you don't have that from your brothers here. That mentor will also help you keep your focus on Jesus as the priority of your life. Yeah, I understand you're going to have to look for a job, and you're going to have to find a place to live, and you're going to have to reestablish relationships, especially if those relationships were hurt and damaged because of your addiction. He will do what your chaplain and other staff did for you when you were here at Keswick. Maybe you already have a place to go and worship. That is awesome. Maybe you're friends with the pastor or, or some of the staff members. Great. That gives you a, a leg up on all of this. But hear this. Don't blow off the opportunity to learn from the man who has been given to you as a mentor. He's the best resource that God has given you on this recovery adventure. Also remember, he's not your sponsor, but he serves a far more important role. He can help you with the thoughts and, and, and the worries that took you into your addiction in the first place as you walk through this new path with Jesus Christ. In addition, he can also help you slide into a more church-centric lifestyle. So that'll help you stay grounded in the things of the Lord. That mentor will actually stay in touch with us here at the colony. He, he'll report on how you're doing and, and areas that you're struggling in. He'll also keep us updated about your commitment of staying faithful to what you agreed to do in that covenant. He'll also be there to encourage you to attend church weekly, to, to get involved in small group studies, to, to connect with other church ministries. Now, a little background. I actually served as a pastor delegate for some colony men that came out and then went into my local church. One of those guys I mentored actually ran the coffee ministry at my church. No small task. It was a big job because on a Sunday morning at the time, the congregation consumed 57 gallons of coffee. That's why we had to upgrade the bathrooms. By the way, there are other ways to get and stay connected to the things that actually matter. Consider addiction recovery groups that are Christian-based, like Addictions Victorious or Celebrate Recovery. Those groups are powerful resources to get to meet and share with others who are going through similar issues and have their priorities set on Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And don't forget about Keswick. We're still here as we've been for 124 plus years. You're invited and encouraged to come out to Men's Fellowship Nights. They're right here on campus on Thursday nights once a month. Great food, great speakers, open gym, and a great opportunity for connection and to stay close with the guys that you came to the colony with and even encourage the guys that are currently in the colony it can give you a real good focus back on Jesus. At least being on campus certainly helps. And let's not forget about the Family Freedom Walk. That's going on on May 7th. And that weekend is also Reunion Weekend. So keep that in the back of your mind. It's a great way to connect with the guys you came to the colony with and also help us out too as we continue to minister to those who are seeking help for their issues 
and their struggles, the biggest one of which is their relationship with Jesus. Finally, let me share this with you, and this is from the heart. You are not a lone wolf. You're not by yourself. We're not releasing you into the wild when you leave Keswick. We're here to help you transition to your local church so that you might be able to serve Jesus better. I can't tell you the number of times I get calls from guys who've graduated, who finished strong, or at least appeared to, who call and say, chap, I'm struggling. Chap, I'm hurting. And the question I'll ask is, have you connected with your local church? And they'll say, no, I haven't. Well, have you talked to your mentor? Not since I left the colony. My friends, this is an opportunity for you to step out of your own comfort zone and begin to get into a new comfort zone. And that's with the people who love and care for you in the local church. Make that happen if it hasn't already. Thank you for watching and we'll be praying for you.